Hey friends, thanks for joining me, Jim Baruch, to hear a few insights from leaders who represent our innovation ecosystem. Today's chat is with Laurent Berlion, Assistant Professor at Rutgers Department of Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering, and Dan O'Toole, a serial entrepreneur and the founder and CEO of Drone Deck. Hello, everybody. So first, um, I graduated a few years ago now in 2003. I was a military engineer in France. So I spent a few years as a French DOD. And then I switched and came back to the public sector. So I, I was a researcher at the French Aerospace Lab, uh, working on drones, but also on planes with Airbus and satellites. And then finally, I, have, I had this opportunity to join the United States. So that's a very exciting opportunity. And I started a, as an assistant professor uh, teaching at Rutgers uh, three years ago. So thank you, everybody. Great. Thank you, Laurel. All right, Dan, go ahead. Hey, guys. Thanks for joining. Thanks for inviting me, James. Uh, Dan O'Toole, um, serial entrepreneur, uh, graduated Ball State University in 1986. I'm 58 years old, married four kids, been married 33 years, best lady in the world, love her. Uh, she supported me through all my crazy ideas. Uh, so, you know, as I've gone through in life, I've done, you know, I've tried everything. Uh, I've always had the philosophy that um, I don't want to be 80 years old sitting in a cubicle somewhere wondering what would have happened had I tried that. I've had a lot of failures. I wouldn't trade one failure for not knowing. So that's what drives me. Uh, I've been, I've had my own distribution company. I've been in contracting. Uh, recently, I sold a company that did nationwide facility maintenance and I've been involved in commercial real estate. I own some industrial warehouses. Uh, and then I had this idea from Drone Deck, which I know we'll talk about, uh, that I've sold my company uh, to focus 100% on this. So uh, that's where I am now. And there you go. Thanks. That's great. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Laurent. So let, let's get into it a little bit. Laurent, talk to us. You know, you have us, uh, your, um, your bio is super long. So I know that was a very shortened version. Talk to us about your research a little bit more about what you've worked on the past uh, you know 10 or so years regarding drones yeah so my research is um, on a particular topic named control and it can be used uh, to control any kind of autonomous system from plane satellite to drones so uh, that's why i'm working on drone it can illustrate some kind of mathematical uh, equations and result and uh, everybody can understand you know uh, why it's so useful to control uh, drones so i work on safety how to guarantee that the drone will not fall how to guarantee that the drone will avoid obstacles uh, so i i do the same thing on planes of course i came up with the idea literally um as I alluded to earlier, I've always been kind of a serial entrepreneur. I always like to think about why not do something a different way? You know, why is it always this way? And so I'm always trying to push the limit in my mind. And this occasion, I was returning from Chicago on a business trip. And I was literally driving down one of those Indiana rural two-lane roads with cornfields on both sides. And uh, somebody was literally flying a drone next to me. And I, it just caught my eye as I was driving. And I, I started daydreaming about um, drone delivery and what the, you know, everybody was focused, you know, this is back in 2014 when people were just starting to think about the idea of it and, and people were thinking about drone, which I think is the commodity part of it. No offense, Laurent, but you know, the, what about the, the end game? Where's every delivery going to end? How are you going to secure those safeguard them? And then if you come up with 
what I call the next generation mailbox. What can you do to make that great? What, you know, what, what can the, uh, how can you make it like the next iPhone? And so I started, my mind started running. By the time I got home, I had a multiple amount of ideas and, uh, and I was going crazy. I couldn't wait to get them all written down because I didn't want to forget any. Um, and I've been, as, as being a serial entrepreneur, I've had a lot of ideas throughout my career. And one thing I learned is when one person has an idea, 10 people literally have that same idea at the same time. And it comes down to a race of execution. Who's going to act on it? And then who's the guy that said, man, I had that same idea. And I, I've been that guy in the past where um, I got beat out by Sony on a remote control idea I had. I got beat out by General Motors on a medical device idea I had. And uh, I, uh, you know, I wasn't going to get beat this time. So I ran to the patent office. And lo and behold, my patent issued three years later. And um, it turned out that I had beaten Amazon by just nine days. I beat the post post office by 14. I beat another company by 22 days. So that really much validated my idea about the race. So anyway, that's how I came up with the idea. And that's that's how I'm here able to talk to you guys today because I won that race. That's that's really amazing. And and that must have been so rewarding, right? To 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 I mean, you're going against one of the most powerful companies in the world, right? In tech. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know the Funny thing is, I mean, it took three years for the patent to issue. And one day I'd wake up and I'd say, man, I've got this great idea. I know it's going to be revolutionary. And then the next day I'd wake up and I'd say, what are the odds of me really getting beating the Amazon or any of these big guys? You know, because you never know. And it was a three-year wait where you're you're on that roller coaster of emotions, you know. And then I got it. And you're right, Jim. I was totally elated. I couldn't believe, you know, my attorney called me and said, hey, I got some great news. Your, your patent's issued. And I was like, what? I can't believe it, you know? And uh, so it was a miracle. So here we are today. So let's show this, this video. Okay. So th this is the drone deck here. Um, we are consolidating all delivery to one point. That's one thing we're really excited about. Uh, if, if As this evolves here, you'll see We've actually built the mailbox right into the drone deck, uh, right there in the door. You know, the postal service doesn't play well with others. They don't like commingling of uh, any of their mail or parcels. In our product roadmap, we envision uh, consolidating all delivery to one point. So that would be the U.S. Postal Service conventional uh, aerial drone robotic delivery and unmanned driverless vehicle delivery. And we know that by uh, being platform agnostic and welcoming to all modes of delivery, that's how we deliver the greatest user value. So we use a, an advanced API that we've developed to allow the drone to get right on station. Uh, and it sends an encrypted message. We authenticate it. It's the right product coming to the right drone deck. We allow access and then we resecure once the item was safely deposited. Uh, we have a heated and cool, we can scan obviously, so we know what we what we have. We send you a notification. We have a heated and cooled uh, cargo area, opening up delivery of food, beverage, pharmaceuticals. We can we have a process, a uh, UV process to disinfect packages uh, against coronavirus and other uh, hazards uh, that we just happened to lock onto before coronavirus was even a thing. We had that in our patent. We have an emergency light uh, 911 alert if you have an emergency at your house, you hit the 911 icon, you press police, fire, or ambulance. Uh, if you hit the fire, we dispatch the fire department. Your light starts strobing at that moment, and uh, first responders can come right to you. Uh, you can see we're set up for autonomous driverless vehicle delivery that just came by. 
this pickup truck that you're going to see here um, uh, sh showcases a uh, an idea that we have for a mobile unit. Uh, we want to disrupt uh, commercial trades. Uh, when somebody comes to your house or business to do work, they run out of an item. They always leave. They never come back. We can order right on site and get delivered to the job site. Uh, and that's going to save a lot of time and money, production, things like that. Uh, you know, we're working to take vehicles off the road to be carbon neutral by 2050. Um, Drone Deck is really going to accelerate uh, the way the last mile logistics happen. And that's just a quick version of what we're doing. You know, I, I'm glad you got a chance to go over that. I'm glad people had a chance to see that. It's really, really great technology. And I think, you know, if you could speak to it, Dan, um, a little bit, people don't realize how expensive it is to get that last mile delivery, right? Um, you got to hire, hire a person, take a car, the emissions and stuff. Drones, and I heard this from an investment, an investor the other day, when it comes down from $7 or $8, that's the current cost to take something from a you know nearby restaurant or, or something or, 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 or a warehouse. When you can reduce that by drones to $1, again, this is what this, is what this investor mentioned. You have probably a better sense for how much it would cost. But that, is, um, that changes the game, right, for everything. It's a game changer. Um, so talk to us just a bit, a bit about, just expand on that just a little bit. Sure, sure. Well, you know, Drone Deck, we just feel like our time is right now. Everything we're doing is a direct, uh, purposeful mission is awesome. But even the byproducts of that are awesome. For instance, you know, uh, convenience, speeding up convenience, uh, saving time, making things faster, reducing costs, um, inherent in that social distancing, right? coronavirus comes along and now you have social distancing, you know, we have a, a great uh, product for that, right? We can interface without interacting. Uh, we're, you know, we're bridging the labor gap right now, right? Uh, anecdotally in Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is a mid-market city in Indiana, uh, today UPS is going to deliver to 8,000 more locations than they did in Fort Wayne, Indiana a year ago. Now, if you extrapolate that across the country, across all carriers, you can see that huge stress on the last mile in logistics. And then you add the labor shortage that we have going on right now. Uh, how do you bridge that gap? The only way you're going to bridge that gap is through autonomy. Here's drone deck. Here, you know, here's drone delivery. Uh, you know, it's just in the right place at the right time. You know, we're taking vehicles off the road. We just commissioned an environmental report that is just coming back to us right now. And it's staggering the metrics that we're going to be able to share, uh, not only in the form of, you know, what one drone deck means to, you know, to your family and what you, what the personal reduction and all kinds of different uh, hazards that we all produce every year, but um, taking vehicles off the road, miles uh, reduced, miles driven, uh, greenhouse gases, vehicles off the road, the amount of traffic accidents that we're going to save is going to be mind blown. You're not going to believe it. And then, you know, that's deaths, right? Injuries. There's so many dominoes that fall when you when you have a great technology like this that's going to disrupt our lives so that that's that's where we are so this thank you for that dan uh, laurent yeah. why don't you comment on the technology uh, what you're seeing and then let's take it sort of in the macro view right what are we seeing across the uh, the country and maybe globally as far as where we see drones today and where we see drone uh, penetration let's just say five years from now so go ahead 
Yeah, so I've got um, a few comments, uh, technical comments uh, first about this uh, solution. So that's very exciting. I like it a lot. Uh, that's probably very energy efficient, and that's also something very important now. Um, so I've got a few comments. Uh, I, I like the fact that it can be recharged on the mailbox, correct? Yes. So that's very good because, as you know, a drone cannot fly, you know, a long time. Though. So that's very, I, I really like this, uh, this thing. That's something we, we have also in my lab. We have a platform to recharge drones automatically. Um, yeah, I, I like also the idea of uh, having this rope with the package going in the mailbox. Uh, there are many researchers working on that. A slug load problem, you know, when there is a lot of wind, how, how you make that uh, in a very safe manner. Uh, so that, yeah, this solution uh, from the technical viewpoint is very, very interesting. Uh, I Thank like you. It. Thank you. Is there any questions you have, Laurent, for him about, uh, about the product though? What, what, what concerns might you have that uh, might not be obvious in that video? Sure, so I've got some questions. Uh, I, I'm sure you are aware about the regulation. So where are we now? Uh, and so that's my, fir my first question. And second question, what about the noise? Uh, what do you think? Sure. Well, the, um, the first thing I want to clarify is we are not the drone. We're the drone deck, right? We're welcoming to all shippers and deliverers. Uh, we stand tall, rain, shine, day or night. And if you can get it to us, uh, we can accept it. And the only limiting factor on what we can accept is the mode of transportation getting it to us. For instance, a drone might be able to carry five pounds. We can receive a five pound package. If a UPS guy brings us something that weighs 20 pounds, we can receive that. So we are not the drone or the drone deck. Um, the second question, that, what was the second question you just asked? Uh, it was about the noise. Um, oh, the noise, yes. So again, you know, we're not the drone or the drone deck. There is technology. Um, Hush drone out there right now is developing a quiet uh, drone. There's a lot of, obviously the noise is the first thing people think of a lot of times. But I can tell you this, um, I recently went out to Christiansburg, Virginia, where Google Wing is doing a 4,000 home uh, pilot program. And I met with several of the, the uh, pilot uh, program participants and was able to receive drone delivery uh, at their uh, addresses. And I can tell you that I specifically asked that question and they said that the, the noise is not a factor whatsoever. It's something that you just factor in just like traffic. It's air traffic, if you will. So I, I was happy to hear that because that was a concern that I had as well. But um, the the uh, value that they receive through drone delivery outweighs, uh, you know, the the nuisance, I guess, of the noise. So that was that was good to hear. I asked a lot of probing questions like you might have uh, because I wanted to get a, a feel for what we don't know, right? When it's out in the field happening, it, it's often different than in a lab or when you're, uh, you know devising something so it was really um encouraging to hear the value i mean we ordered an item and from seven within seven minutes from order uh order time we had received the items so i mean you can't even think about something to get in your garage to get in your car hardly in seven minutes right so uh, i think that's going to be so disruptive people are going to be willing to overlook uh, some of those things and as we know technology is always advancing right so if there is an issue, we're always going to defeat that. That's what we do. But the regulation point. So where are we on that? Is that holding us back or are we are the is government being a supporter of the sandboxing this effort to pilot this? You know, 
safety is always paramount, right? You're always going to err on the side of safety and that's what we do. And to our credit, I mean, we're a great country and, and probably a lot of the reason is because we do things the right way. Uh, I will say that there are other parts of the world that are advancing faster than the U.S. They're not as restrictive. Uh, I did just come back from the consumer electronics show. I met with the FAA out there and I can tell you that there's a the, there's a great trajectory. There's a lot of movement happening behind the scenes. Uh, you know, the EU just allowed drone delivery in the recent, in the last couple of months. So, you know, it is changing. It is happening. Uh, we have the biggest uh, companies in the world iterating in that space, the trillion dollar market caps, Apple, Google, Amazon, and others. Uh, and they're spending a lot of money and there's a reason. They know this is going to happen. Uh, the horse is out of the barn, if you will. And it's just a matter of time, not if. And I, I do see it happening probably in the next 24 months. I think you're going to start seeing whole, a large uh, deployment of, of opportunities out there. And then from there, it'll just it'll just uh, grow even faster. Got it. So where are, Laurent, where are we? We're in a, a nine-inning game, um, baseball game. Where are we as far as uh, drone uh, technology and penetration? So sorry, I don't know the rules of baseball because I'm French. <laughs> But um, so I cannot exactly uh, tell you. Uh, so we, we are, I think we are, yeah, we are just before, uh, we are at a very interesting moment when drones will be more and more used uh, for package delivery, but also for inspection, monitoring. Uh, I think there is a big opportunity in addition to package delivery uh, currently with the Infrastructure Act, because uh, drones can be useful uh, for monitoring, for inspection of the bridges, the roads, uh, electricity lines. Uh, so, so we are at the beginning of something great, and as, as I said, maybe at the beginning, uh, that, that we are very close also to have the flying taxi, because the drone and flying taxi are the same thing, you just uh, increase, the, it's just a scaling factor. So we are also uh, uh, close to have this flying taxi, once we have the regulations, everything working for drones, why not having the same thing for bigger drones? So let me ask you this then, as far as home delivery, how many years away are we from sort of pretty good access for the common person uh, who, who lives in a house and could have something like a drone deck? And then how many years are we away from a flying taxi? Just guesstimate, uh, you know, you're not, a, you're not a, um, a psychic. So tell me what your best guess is. Um, so for the drone delivery, I think, it's almost a question of one, two years, probably. Uh, and also, Dan can correct me. Uh, for tax, flying taxi, I think it will take probably around 10 more years, but it will not take 50 years. You know, It's quite soon also. Got it. And so, Dan, let me ask yeah. you that same question. You're obviously uh, in this sector and, and looking at it as an entrepreneur who has a product. Um, what's your take? Um, as far as years, let's go with the year analogy. We don't have to go with baseball. Although I know sure. you know baseball. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, no, um, I, I agree. I think I'm saying two years before it's it's really accepted. It's not a novelty, okay? It's going to happen even sooner than that. We're going to start rolling out drone deck units this year. Uh, we're going to be doing a uh, pilot program with the United States Postal Service Q1 of this year. Uh, we got a lot of things, but it's, but those are all limited use cases, right? Um, but when, when the novelty kind of comes off, I'd say within about two years where people, you know, it's not like, wow, check that out. You know, it's, you're going to, you're going to know about it. Uh, so the flying taxi, I agree with Laurent, you know, anytime you have humans involved, 
um, you know, flying autonomously, that's that's a even a higher level of of safety, and and they're going to be even more deliberate about that. Uh, Ten years could be right. I'm not, you know, I'm not really in that space exactly, so I'll defer to Laurent on that. But uh, but it's all happening. You know, our world is changing. Uh, autonomy is never. We're never going to regress. We're always moving forward. Um, you know, people talk about you're taking people's jobs. We're not taking jobs. We're creating better jobs. You know, just in in the ecosystem of drone deck, uh, look at what we have. We've got manufacturing, installation, maintenance. Uh, you know, we're creating uh, new verticals as far as delivery. We're, we've got collections. Uh, you know, sales. Uh, it's it's just a whole different. We're 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 really transitioning uh, jobs from one form to another, and we would argue that. We're upgrading those opportunities. We think that uh, working at Drone Deck is going to be a, a, an uptick for any you know any opportunity that we're creating out there is going to replace something that was not to that level is how we look at it. And that's not demeaning to anybody. We want to create value. Uh, we want to create wealth, and we want to make lives easier for people. And that's what we're delivering here at Drone Deck. And so, if we look through um, across the country, you mentioned some places where they're piloting efforts of home delivery. Where are those sort of sandboxes uh, domestically and internationally? Sure. What, do you want me to handle that or we'll run? Sure, Dan, why don't you handle it first yeah, and we'll yeah. to, to take it as well. You know, there, there's several opportunities throughout the world. I would say virtually every developed uh, country in the world has some use case going right now. Uh, Africa, uh, Japan, China, India, um, Europe, uh, Australia, it's, it's everywhere, uh, everywhere, really. I mean, I could, there's a hundred countries doing some form of it out there. The U S as well, uh, it, within the U S I would say hotbeds, uh, Virginia, North Carolina, Texas, uh, California, uh, North Dakota, uh, Indiana. We're looking to, to join the, join those ranks. Uh, we've announced, a uh, Lawrence, Indiana, we're going to be doing a 4,000, uh, address use uh, pilot program with drone deck rollout that's going to be phased over the next couple of years. But Lawrence, Indiana is a very progressive uh, city that wants to be a smart city and wants to be a city of firsts. Uh, they've embraced the drone deck technology. We love Lawrence, Indiana. It's in our backyard. Uh, we're headquartered there. And so we're hoping to put them on the map in a big way uh, in the autonomous space. Great. All right, Laurent, what's your take? So I'm not as aware as you, of course, uh, uh, about all these places because I don't work on drone delivery. But uh, I agree a bit. I agree with uh, these places. I, I guess New Jersey would like for sure to join you. Um, I, I'm, all, I'm always amazed by uh, Africa and also the use of drones for blood delivery. Right. Uh, um, so I think there is a yeah, very, very good opportunity also in Africa. Got it. All right, so what about um, funding, right? Laurent, you get funding from the government, right? And obviously from grants, um, maybe some corporates. What, from your perspective, Laurent, is there enough funding? Uh, is there enough funding on the way? And then with the new bills coming down um, the pike, talk to us about how you see the, the funding landscape for your research. So yeah, in academia, there are the traditional sources of funding, uh, especially if you work on autonomy and autonomous systems. So first, of course, you've got the DOD. Uh, so I work with the Navy uh, on, a, on, a, on a grant about how to, to make safer uh, drones uh, flying over the, the vessels. Um, you have the NSF, of course, but NSF is 
always short of money <laughs> uh, compared to the DOD. Uh, you've got the NASA. <clears throat> there are some opportunities when industry and academia can work together. Um, for example, the SBA, STR program. Um, and then I think now, yes, this infrastructure act is probably a, a very good opportunity for everybody, academia, industry. Uh, and I think also that there is a lot of funding in uh, um, the Department of Energy now. Uh, if you want, for example, to inspect wind turbine using a drone, I guess you can probably find some funding uh, from ARPAE or Department of Energy. Laurent, what about corporate corporates or, or tech companies? Are you working with them at all? Or are, they, uh, or are they doing their own skunk works? Um, so I'm not working with them so far. Um, okay. So I, yeah. Got it. As I said, I'm just starting a lab, so. Right, right, right. <laughs> but, but, but I'm open to, to this type of opportunities for sure. Okay, good. Um, Dan, uh, what about, how do you see it? Now, did you self-fund uh, this drone deck or, or are you seeing private money or VC money or angel money coming sure. into your space? Yeah, you know, um, you know, because of my experience, I know that when you have an idea and you started a new startup pre-revenue, Everybody arbitrarily values that at $9 million or some some smaller amount. Not that that's not a lot of money because it is, but in the scheme of things, it's really not. So if you, if I always look at your your cap, your equity is your capital of development. And if you, uh, if you allow uh, somebody to assign a $9 million value <clears throat> to your company and you begin to take investment at that rate, you've done a disservice to everyone, yourself, your IP, your company, and anybody that you took money from because very shortly you're going to be dead on the side of the road without capital. So for the first six and a half years on drone deck, I funded it myself. I put three quarters of a million dollars in uh, and keep in mind for three years of that time, I didn't even know if I was going to have my patent or not. So I was kind of in limbo to a certain extent. Um, and then once my patent issued, I, it kind of opened up the floodgates for me to really get going. Um, but at the end of the, you know, about just about a year ago, I was really struggling, really laboring. I had 25 engineers working every day uh, in India and uh, just doing a lot of heavy lifting. And I said to myself, well, I wish I had somebody investing, you know, and just in that moment, just I think it was a God thing. Uh, one of my really good friends came to me because <clears throat> I hadn't said this to anybody. and It was really out of the blue. And he said, hey, man, drone deck. And I said, yeah, what about it? Because I want in. I said, really? I said, well, you know, Dave, for the last six and a half years, I haven't asked one person to put one dime in. He goes, I know. I go, well, I'm not soliciting you. He goes, I'm soliciting you. And the thing that was really cool about that for me was it had proven to me that people were watching what I was doing and what I was doing had become investable in the eyes of others. So that was a really flattering, humbling moment for me. Uh, so he was my first investor. He put $200,000 in, came in at a $58 million valuation. Very soon after that, a small VC firm came in uh, for another 200000 at a $92 million valuation. And then we went on to a crowdfunding campaign uh, that commenced in November of uh, 2020, <clears throat> excuse me, and ran through September of 2021. And in that, we raised $3.5 million. We became the highest valuation pre-revenue company to ever successfully raise in the history of all crowdfunding. So I take that very seriously. I, uh, it's very flattering. And I think it proves that there's a big market acceptance of autonomy and what we're all doing. And uh, that's exciting. So in the last year in the aggregate, we've now raised 7 million 
dollars. We're valued currently uh, over 250 million, and uh, we're on to our next level of uh, what the next chapter is going to be in in funding. That might be grants, it might be some strategic investment, it could be going public. You know, all these opportunities are in front of us. SPAC, IPO, whatever that might be, uh, we explore everything, and we're uh, you know we have nearly 5,000 shareholders at this point, which is really huge. Um, and we've got them, you know, we've got their backs and we, we owe it to them to explore every opportunity very deliberately, but to make sure that whatever we do ensures their value and that we're going in the right direction. We're not out just to do a money grab. So that's where we are. That is phenomenal. I had no idea it was that high uh, evaluation, Dan. But tell me, as you look back, Right, you did. You took angel money, you took VC money, and you did crowdfunding. Would yes. you have done it the same way if you had to do it all over again, as far as funding? I, you know, I, I really would. I'm very proud of you know, if you call it dumb luck or just being smart. I don't, it's probably a combination of both. The way that we did it, it we've kind of uh, rewritten the playbook. Uh, we didn't, you know, we did not want to approach uh, VCs or private equity early on because. Uh, they want to beat you down on your valuation. They want to take control of your company. And I'm not an ego guy or anything, but nobody is better uh, to run this company right now than me. And that's because I have the vision, but I also, nobody cares about our shareholders like I do. And I'm not going to put that in the hands of anybody else. And uh, so we've been very deliberate about how we've done that. The crowdfunding was awesome because it, it allows a, you know, it allows you to build a community of fans it allows you to publicly discuss your raise uh, under every other exemption of capital raise. Uh, you can't, you can only deal with accredited investors and you can't, you can't really be out there publicizing what you're doing. So it allows that. Um, and then it allows all these investors, you know, nearly 5,000 to come in under one line item on your cap table, which is really important as you go down the progression of capital raising more sophisticated money doesn't want to see a cluttered up cap table with 5,000 different people on it. That's a lot of nuisance, if you will, to them. And not, not to me, but that's how they view it because you're having to fight potentially 5,000 different battles on anything you want to do. So it was really cool and really important to streamline that, to, to have that fan base that we have a great community, ton of engagement. I put my phone number out there to the world. I get calls every week from all over the world. I take every call. Uh, I personally answered every uh, note, question, comment, negative, whatever it was. I dealt with everything head on. I did it all myself throughout this whole race to this date. Uh, and I continue to do that. And that's that's our uh, culture, transparency, communication. And I want it to come from me. And I want everybody to know that if I have the audacity to ask you to put your hard-earned money into Drendek, I damn well should, I'll be on the other end of the call if you have a question or a comment. Um, I don't want it to be a one-way thing where I'm just taking. So that's how we did it. I wouldn't change it. Yeah, no. And, and that's um, that's really comforting to hear. But typically, people crowdfund first, then angel, then VC. You did it the opposite. And what which we, uh, just what platform did you use just for people's... We, we used a WeFunder. Okay. It's a, it's a and you were happy with that? You were happy with WeFunder for... You know, I, I was... Uh, <clears throat> I'll tell you, I was happy and not happy. I'll just elaborate for one second on that. Um, I was happy because it gave us the platform to do what we did. And we have a great, uh, uh, great group of investors. Uh, I wasn't happy because um, their, um, their responsiveness to our shareholders was very, 
not good at all. It was, it, they took a long time to get back and it, and it ended up uh, falling on us as a negative. And I don't like, I always say, if I want to upset somebody, I want to earn that myself because I, I, I own everything and I don't like to pass the buck. So when somebody, when we funder didn't, uh, you know, interact on something or execute like they should have, you know, then I was dealing with the brunt of that. And I wasn't a guy that was going to say, Hey, that's WeFunder's fault. You know, I own that. We chose to go on WeFunder. And so, um, yeah, I mean, they're probably the lesser of all evils out there, if that, you know. Uh, right. But um, anyway, I don't, we can talk about that later. Sure. The other thing, that one thing about crowdfunding I do want to say, um, the illusion, if you're going to crowdfund and you think that you align with WeFunder or StartEngine or Kickstarter, whichever it is, you're not going to all of a sudden be the beneficiary of all their investors. That's a misnomer. The reality is you have to create your own investment community and that's just the platform to do it. All the inertia and everything that's generated comes from you. And that's why we were so successful. We figured out how to do that where a lot of people list on there and they think that it's all magic and it's gonna happen by itself. That's not the case. So just wanna let everybody know that. That, that's really good insight, uh, Dan. Thanks for sharing that. So let's yeah. move on to you, Laurent. Uh, what's next in drone research? Well, I think next, um, so of course, we've got this uh, package delivery, uh, more and more drones in the, in the farms. Uh, uh, and we are the garden state in New Jersey. So that's probably what's next. And that's probably a very good way also to use a 5G uh, using drones. So I'm not an expert, but a 5G can probably bring a lot of capabilities. Uh, in terms of transmission of the information, for example, and also maybe get a better uh, positioning system for the drones based on that. Um, and then in terms of research, what's next is aerial manipulation. Uh, you will put an arm on the drone, you will manipulate, uh, do some more complex tasks, uh, for example, repair something. Uh, and you will probably also interact more and more with human. You know, uh, drones are usually far away, but maybe they could evolve very close to you, interact with you. Great. And what about, what are the hard problems that have to be solved going forward? Um, so energy efficiency. I mean, we can always progress on that, uh, have better batteries or maybe other system, use uh, solar panels. Um, so be more efficient in general. I think noise is a big problem. So that's why I asked this question. Uh, currently, you know, most of the drones, they, they, they are like, uh, they produce like 95 decibels. So it's quite, it's quite high. Um, so there are some people designing new drones without any moving surfaces, uh, like in MIT, for example. So it doesn't create any noise, but it uses a lot of power. <laughs> um, so we need, we, we really need, you know, to address all these issues, a multidisciplinary uh, team of people, you know, working on, on that, because if you gain on something, you will lose on another thing. So, so I think we need more and more people working on many disciplines and, and, and not only their discipline. Um, so I said energy efficiency, safety, of course. Uh, so the regulation is progressing very well. We had this UTM uh, project between the NASA and the FAA the last few years. So that's great. And I think that that's very, very, very nice. Uh, so basically, the, the priority of the FAA is safety. Uh, so no worry about that. And they want to, to find a way to, to, to share the airspace between the drones and the planes. Got it. And, and talk to us a bit about uh, the efforts at Rutgers, right? You've obviously just started a lab. Uh, what about other 
colleagues at Rutgers, other departments? Yeah. Where, where, how strong do you expect the drone sector or department or mm -hmm. uh, area of research to be in, let's say, uh, five years? So at Rutgers, uh, now we have a few faculties working on drones. Uh, for example, one faculty created what we call the Naviator. It's a drone that can be in the air, in the water, in the air, in the water. So that is very interesting for the Navy. Uh, we have people working on, on, on agriculture. Uh, so uh, the interconnection and interaction between the drones and the mobile robots. Uh, uh, there are some people working on the safety. You know, what happens if you hack a drone? Can you demonstrate that you can hack a drone? Uh, there are some people working on the reliability. Uh, you know, how many times, uh, how many hours can you safely fly your drone before something breaks? Um, so we have a, a very new facility at Rutgers. It is called the Emil Buller Flight Lab. So it's a 25 cubic feet cage where you can test uh, a drone. Uh, in many conditions, we, we will soon have a very big wind wall uh, to, to study all the, the, the things related to the wind. And I guess it could be great to study also the acoustic, uh, so the noise, and, uh, and also invest uh, in such equipments. So that's something that is indoor where we can test a lot of things. I would like also to, to have some industrial partners coming and test uh, their drones at Rutgers. Uh, but then the next time, maybe in five years, would, would be to have a large outdoor facility uh, to, to, to fly and test uh, maybe the flying taxi or the new concept of drones. Great. Thank you for that, Laurent. Okay. So, Dan, to you, wh where do you see drone deck uh, being, um, you know, let's say two years from now and five years from now? Yeah, well, two years from now, we're, we're going to be rolling out <clears throat> strategically in, in zip codes that we identify by specific metrics that would include a willing municipality, a demographically rich user base, and then uh, accompanying delivery infrastructure. And so, you know, it's one thing to put drone decks out there, but you wanna make sure that they're gonna be utilized, right? So we, so we look at all those different metrics and then we roll out. Uh, we're in discussions with several markets right now, smart cities, new subdivisions that want to be drone friendly, uh, municipalities that want to be first, uh, that always want to be the first and want to offer to their constituency the fact that they're cutting edge. So, you know, when we started this, you know, two of the biggest hurdles I thought we would have would be raising capital and then uh, finding areas to deploy. And what we found is that every community wants to be the first drone deck community. And there's a lot of capital out there for a great idea that in an emerging market. So, so the, that was very refreshing. That's where we are. So to, I can't really answer specifically where we're going to be because we're evaluating uh, multiple opportunities. But I will say uh, you cannot buy a drone deck. You can only subscribe to it. We know that a big impediment to adaptation would be if people had to spend thousands of dollars on a drone deck because it's a very expensive, feature-rich device, right? So the way we defeat that is offer it uh, $15 a month for a residential user, much like an Amazon Prime model. Um, and we're actually envisioning giving it away for a period of time uh, in advance of charging to accelerate acceptance and penetration. Uh, we know that autonomous delivery happens through economy of scale. So it's important that we blanket and saturate markets. Uh, and that's what we want to do by giving them away. Uh, and then our strategy is to pull all the shippers and deliverers onto our platform because we know that there's nothing more compelling 
than a customer telling their vendor how they want something to be done, right? So that's our strategy for rollout. I think our biggest um, risk of execution is in that moment when we start giving these away, everybody's going to want one everywhere and we can't get ahead of ourselves on on a, a grab, a greed grab is what I would call it, where we, we don't want to miss all these markets wanting to be drone deck markets. And then we lose our execution precision because we're going everywhere. So I think that's our biggest risk. I know it sounds a little self-serving to say that because it's probably a positive, but if you don't manage that correctly, it will be a negative. Sure, sure. So before we get to questions, um, t- tell us just one thing that we should all know about the future of drones. Laurent? So I would say that's exciting, promising, and safe. Don't worry. Great. Dan? Drone delivery is going to happen. It's, it's a huge leap in advancement uh, of our society. Uh, it's going to make life greater. It's going to, everything is going to be a positive, lowering costs, lowering emissions, speeding up convenience. We're a spoiled culture already, right? We want everything right now. And this is just going to expand on that and, and optimize that. So it's an exciting, great time. Embrace drone and autonomous delivery. It's coming whether you want it or not. And if, if you love it or not, you're going to end up loving it. I really believe that. Got it. Thanks. Thanks for that. Okay. So there's a question about um, does drone deck support package pickup by the drone? And then the secondary question of that, do you have plans to offer a high capacity pickup or drop-off solution? Thank you. Thanks for your question. Absolutely. Um, we have a hundred, we have actually two completely issued utility patents, one in 17, one in 19. We have two more patents in an examination right now. In all, it's 111 patent claims that we've either filed for or have been awarded. It's a very robust platform and it does include both shipping and receiving. Uh, we do have envisioned multiple uh, configurations of a drone deck uh, in our IP. Uh, it could be a vault in the ground. It could be a balcony, patio, uh, porch mounted. It could be a roof hatch on a commercial building or a home. Uh, it could be put in your backyard or at the curbside. Um, we do it for uh, commercial. We have three sizes envisioned, a small, medium, and large. We have the residential unit, uh, which is a smaller unit. Uh, we also have a high density urban area or cluster box configuration for multifamily. Uh, and then we have the portable unit that you saw in the pickup truck there. So that's all on our roadmap. We, you know, I would say that we're at the bag phone level right now when the first cell phone came out, if that makes sense. Uh, and we want to get to the iPhone 13. So, so we've got an evolution that we're uh, executing on. Um, some of the features we have may never make it to, to uh, market, you know, like, um, anthrax, biohazard, or explosive uh, uh, detection and reporting. Uh, those, are, those are things that uh, we have in our patents. We have every great idea that came up, we put it in our patents, uh, and hopefully we can uh, put all those into the product at some point, but not necessarily. So just want to give you the diversity. Um, shipping and receiving, yes. We also are going to be archiving all of your transactional history. And uh, so if you get to, you know, the return logistics market in the U.S. is a $1 trillion market. If, if you want to return something, you, you pull up the return icon on your drone deck app. It populates your last 12 purchases. You select the item you want to send back. It notifies Amazon, dispatches UPS. You simply drop the item in your drone deck. It gets picked up. You didn't have to find a receipt. You didn't have to print a label. 
and you get your credit back. That's that's part of our vision. So we're excited about all these enhancements that you are going to become woven into the fabric of your life and just make life easier. That, that's really fascinating. Now, um, you mentioned, you know, when we saw that video, we think of suburbs. A lot of us live in the suburbs and we have a house. But um, the prospect of delivery to apartments uh, is really um, even more beneficial, right? Because it saves so much more time. But is there, are there certain constraints that need to be overcome for uh, high rises or apartments? Really, the, the same constraints that have to be overcome to make any delivery happen would fall into that same category, you know. Um, but, you know, going to our point, we, we want to blanket areas. We're not, we don't want to pick and choose because then you're getting away from the efficiency, right? So it, we want to, 80% of a market is typically residential, 20% is commercial. We want to blanket all those. We don't want to just focus on uh, a medical use case or something like that. We think that that uh, is contra to the saturation and efficiency that we need. So that's why we want to roll out blanket areas. And, and that would encompass, you know, every one of the areas, you know, every day in the U S there's 1.7 million packages stolen, believe it or not. That's a huge number, right? If you don't get insurance on an item at UPS, your default amount is a hundred dollars. Uh, so, you know, you got 1.7 million times a hundred dollars. That's $170 million a, a day in lost product, right? That's a, that's a big number. So um, it's, it's, it's going to happen. Uh, we're going to be disrupting a lot of the, things out there that are negatively impacting last mile. And that's a big one right there. Dan, what keeps you up at night? Is there a competition that um, you're concerned about? You know, you'd be naive if you didn't say there were competition or, or anticipate it. We believe Drone Deck is the, the biggest market opportunity in the world. And the reason I say that is Drone Deck is poised to be the gateway to every home and business in the, in the world, essentially, right? Uh, the drones are the commodity. We're the funnel. Uh, we're the monopoly. Every delivery will start or end at a drone deck. So if you didn't think that somebody was going to try to impede on that, um, you'd be you'd be lying to yourself, right? I used to, uh, whenever I'd see an illustration from Amazon or Google or one of these big guys, and, and they didn't have a drone deck in their ecosystem, it always was offensive to me, right? I would say, where's drone deck? But then I started thinking to myself, what if they were showing a drone deck in that equation? That would really be even more frustrating and frightening to me, right? Because now they're they're not yielding to our IP. So I think the fact that you haven't seen those guys showing that in their ecosystem uh, and they've yielded to our intellectual property is a good thing. And uh, I'm really happy about where we are in our development, uh, consistent with the other development in drones and things like that. And I think when the, when the industry green lights, we're gonna be right at the start finish line, shoulder to shoulder with everybody. And we're gonna be in a great position to to rightfully uh, position ourselves in the first position that we hold uh, through our IP. Great, great, great stuff. Laurent, what about a talent? Is that, um, are you getting enough? I have a feeling you're getting a lot of interest uh, in, in your programs. How do you see the talent pipeline? You know, that's something that we're all concerned about, uh, STEM, tech, uh, making sure those pipelines are strong and robust so that um, those jobs uh, can be filled. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I think there is a, a shortage of people, you know, working on drones, uh, flying, uh, able also to fly a drone, and also in general, a shortage of people working on intelligent, artificial intelligence. 
Um, so that's why we've got this program at Workers. We want to train uh, the next generation of engineers, uh, the one who join this type of companies. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, there are many more and more people interested in aerospace, especially about uh, space, because, you know, there are also many things going on in space. And also drones now are used on Mars. As you know, there is one helicopter uh, almost autonomous on Mars. So I think, yeah, there will be a, a big interest. Uh, um, there is currently a big interest on space, both things. Got it. And how about you, Dan? How do you see it as an entrepreneur who needs the talent to grow your company? Is that a concern or a constraint? It's obviously a concern with what we're seeing in the marketplace right now. Uh, it's a concern for a couple of things, reasons. One is, are the, is the talent available on its face? And secondly, if it is available, at what price, right? We're seeing a great inflation throughout the ecosystem, not only in labor, but in everything that uh, we're buying in our daily lives. So, you know, as a startup pre-revenue company, uh, you know, runway and capital are all very uh, near and dear to us. So we always have to evaluate all those different metrics. And um, so far, we've got great people. Everyone's really highly invested in our company. Uh, there's a ton of enthusiasm. We're doing something new uh, and revolutionary. So there's obviously a lot of hype around that. But going forward, you know, we can only hope that we continue to attract the same level commensurate with what we've had. We hope that the drone deck opportunity uh, helps us stand out so we are able to attract that talent. Excellent, excellent. So this has been a great conversation. Thank you for joining us today, both Laurent and Dan. We usually end with a poem or a saying or a quote. Uh, shall we start with you, Laurent? Okay, so I've got a quote from a French author named Rabelais. Uh, he said, science without conscience is only rune of the soul. So let's let's say that uh, drugs without safety is a, a rune, but we, we, we are going to do it. Thank you. Dan? My my personal mantra that I'm going to buy is persistence pays. Uh, you know, excuse my French, but if you throw enough shit at the wall, something's going to stick. And I've always, uh, you know, try, try, try again, right? There's no failure is not an option. I don't even like to use the word try. You either do it or you don't. So I would just say persistence pays. Uh, you know, this is America, uh, our, the land of opportunity. Um, and go, go for your dream. It's out there and it's within your reach. Wonderful. Great words to end by. Thank you, Laurent. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please like it, leave a review, and subscribe. See you soon.